Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Joy Dooling, and you are listening to the Joy of Membership podcast. This podcast is for membership leaders. So we talk about strategies for attracting, engaging, and retaining members. But that's not entirely the focus of the show, because let's be honest here, there is no shortage of advice out there on best practices in membership. What we need to talk about is how to actually make those things possible in the real world, how to be absolutely sure that growth practices are going to stick, how to make those things easier, more consistent, and even automatic in some cases. Sound good? Then stick around because we're about to jump into it. Hey there, Joy Dooling here, host of the Joy of Membership podcast. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode. We talk a lot in this show about providing members with value. If you've listened to many episodes, you've probably noticed that being truly helpful for members comes in many different shapes and sizes. And I hope that you find the stories that you've heard to be inspirational and full of little idea nuggets that you can apply to your own organization. Still, you may find yourself returning to questions like, how can my organization create more value? Are there parts of the member experience where we aren't performing as well as we could? If those questions feel familiar, I'd like to invite you to download my free member experience scorecard. It's a quick one-page assessment that tells you exactly where your membership-based organization has areas of strength that you can build on and areas of gap where you're probably going to want to improve. The scorecard is free and in less than 10 minutes, you'll gain some actionable insights. You can grab your copy right now at joyofmembership.com slash scorecard. Have you ever heard the phrase sacred cow? In a business context, a sacred cow refers to an idea, custom, or belief that an organization resists questioning or criticizing. Sometimes holding on to such ideas without questioning them can hold an organization back from being able to create change that is necessary to survival. Today's guest is Dr. Stefan Meyer, who received his PhD last November for his research into sacred cows and organizational change. But he's actually been working on change-related projects in his career for more than 25 years. In a world now where every organization is trying to find a new path forward, it seemed like the perfect time for this conversation with Stefan. I hope you enjoy listening in. Hello, Stefan. Welcome to the Joy of Membership podcast. Hello, Joy. Nice to meet you. Okay, so I invited you here today um, because... I saw that you have done some research on the concept of um, sacred cows in organizations. So why don't you start by telling the listeners kind of who you are and what you do? 
Yes. So originally, I am a business psychologist. That's what I studied. And I started my career with a big consultancy company, Accenture. And I worked on big, 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 big change projects. And I noticed over the years that there are at least two kinds of change. The majority of them is this slow step-by-step -step change, which I soon found very boring and very often things didn't really change at all. And the other kind of change was this um, rather fast-paced change that I call radical change. And this seemed to offer the chance for a change for the better. So I tried to find out more about it. And I noticed there isn't much literature about it. There is even less scientific research about it. So I started doing that. So I've been doing change management projects for 25 years now, and uh, most of the time on a self-employed basis. And uh, yeah, I, I started doing relatively late in my life. I started doing scientific research and writing a doctorate thesis about it. So what did I do for my research? I figured who would be the most knowledgeable persons of radical change, probably people who do this several times in their lives, which are interim managers from my point of view. So I started interviewing some of them. And while I was doing that, I was having lunch with an American business friend. And he said, why don't you also talk to some people from America? I could uh, give you some introduction. And I said, we have a deal. So I started interviewing American interim managers as well. And uh, so I was already on my way to an international kind of research. And my supervising professor said, so you should also get a different perspective. You should talk to some business consultants. So I talked to consultants from Canada to South Africa. And then my professor said, get some inside perspective, talk to line managers. So I talked to line managers from England to Hong Kong. And lastly, my professor said, you've been talking to all these many people from the world of private business. You should talk to at least one person from the government. So it proved practical that I was doing this research at a university in England in the same city as is the headquarter of the British Secret Service. So I talked to one of them and internally we call this the James Bond interview. Yeah, so this is what I did for my research, figuring out what these experienced people had to say about radical change. I gathered 176 insights, which is quite too many to keep them around in your head at the same time. And so I built a nice framework that I deemed the sacred cow framework. So of course, it's an acronym, all the letters stand for something and it's a matrix. So it's a three by six matrix. And everyone who is conducting a radical change should take a closer look at all of these 18 fields of interest of all these 18 leadership challenges. And then there's a much higher chance of succeeding with your radical change. Okay, so you took the almost almost 200 different um, interviews that you had with different organizations, and you talked with them about radical change, and out of that emerged this framework for how to create radical change in your organization. Is that, is that an accurate summary? Yeah, that's correct. I encounter so many people who tell me, well, change, of course, the world is changing and the only constant in the world is change, but we don't need radical change because step-by-step -step change with everyone engaged is the best thing you can do. And then I ask them, really, just imagine for a day, you are the new British prime minister and you are supposed to switch from driving on the left side to driving on the right side of the road, as the majority in the world is doing. So what do you do with a step-by-step -step change? First day, only 
normally um, the truck drivers drive on the right side of the road. Seventh day, even the bus drivers. And third day, lastly, everyone. Okay, everyone can clearly see this is not going to work out. So there are obviously situations when you need a radical change because that's the only thing that's going to promise some success. So can you give us a couple of examples of organizations that have engaged in radical change and you know what they learned about their organization as they went through that process? Yes, I would even like to do it the other way around. I okay. developed a, f a framework that I called the Cow Canvas um, because it's a step-by-step -step decision process that leads, that gives you an answer to the question, do I need a radical change? Perfect. Yeah. Um, before I do that, so why am I talking about sacred cows? Because this, my native language is German, and in German language, the metaphor of the sacred cow is something we are very much accustomed to using, which means it is some habit that maybe used to be practical in former times, but isn't up to date anymore. There's so in other words, you should s somehow change your behavior in order to be more um suitable to the present times. And there was this American philosopher, Thomas Kuhn, who, who deemed the, the term paradigm shift. This is exactly what he's talking about. A paradigm shift is removing your old sacred cows and trying to match up with the, with the presence. Okay. So there are always, uh, there are some organizations who understand this better than other ones. And I would just like to take an example of um, a company that somehow didn't figure out their sacred cows um, sufficiently. So um, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. That shows you how old I am. And <laughs> in, in those times when we wanted to listen to music, there was only one way of doing it because um, there was no music television and the music on the radio was awful. So you would go to a record store and buy a black vinyl record and you would uh, very proudly take it under your arms and walk home to your living room. Why? Because that's where the record player is at. And in those times in Germany, there was one record player brand that was considered the leading brand, kind of the Mercedes of record players, that was called Dual. And um, you may wonder, so if Dual was this prestige brand, why aren't they around anymore today? For a simple reason, I say, because they didn't take care of their sacred cows. So if I would lead them to this sacred cow canvas, we have these six steps. The first step is, what do your customers get? So when they buy something at the company Dual, what do they get? They get a record player. And the second step is, um, what is your sacred cow? The sacred cow is the belief you have. And if you would have asked the employees of the company Dual, what are you? What are you doing? They would say, oh, we are in the record player business. We build record players. This is what we do. And uh, then you would go take the next step and talk about the taboo. The taboo is what everybody knows, but nobody dares to talk about. And the taboo in that situation is, The clients don't really want a record player. Of course, they buy one as long as it's the only way f uh, to them to, to get to their music. But if some someday somehow there would be a different way of getting to the music, like a more elegant way, a cheaper way, a faster way, a fancier way, a, a way that's considered more fashionate, they would take this different way to get into to their music. And the next step would be the essence or the, the realiness, if you so want. So why, why at all? I mean, people buy record players because they want to listen to music, but why do they want to listen to music? What's the essence behind it? 
music makes you feel good. At least that's how it happens for me. I have my favorite tunes and if I don't feel that good, I listen to them and feel better. Or in the morning when I'm not quite awake, I listen to something with a rhythm and I feel more awake. So music makes you feel better. And then we come to step number five, which is the radical change. What would have been a radical change for this company? If people would have thought about their sacred cow, we are in the record player business and would somehow reframed it. No, we are not in the record player business, but we are in the business of delivering music in order to help people feel better. Something like that. And if they would have done that, they could still be a leading brand. They could still be our favorite online music store or our favorite streaming provider, whatever. So then step number six, what should your customers get? Remember, step number one was what your customers get, but step number six is what should your customers get? Not a record player, but music in order to help them feel better. So this is my sacred cow framework. And I believe if they had done it in a similar fashion on time, they could still be a leading brand in Germany, at least maybe worldwide. And I would say from my point of view that organizations should do this kind of check every now and then because When I was doing the interviews for my research, um, I, I asked them many questions, of course, because it was a long-form interview. But the question that was most interesting for me was, does every organization need a radical change every now and then? And I would have loved if everyone have, have, would have given me the same answer, but it's science. So <laughs> the scientific community is divided. One half of them said, yes, of course, every organization needs a radical change every now and then, like every new every few years but preferably before the crisis hits you that's what one half of the interviewee said and the other half said no and only under circum under certain circumstances so what are these circumstances um governmental change like your business model becomes illegal of course there's always a good reason for change secondly um technological advances so if you're Competitors look much more fashionate in the eye of the customer than you do because they have more modern approaches. Then that's also a reason for radical change. And lastly is events of higher power, such as 9-11 or a pandemia or something like that. So in any way you look at it, either you believe you need a radical change anyhow, or you need a radical change only under certain circumstances, which may be present today. And in any way, you should take a closer look and make up your mind, do I need a radical change? Does my organization need a radical change? A new way of thinking, a new up-to-date current way of looking at the world and solving problems. Well, you know, this is really interesting because just yesterday I was having a conversation with an association leader and she was talking about, you know, some of the things that her association had been kind of slowly advancing toward and planning before the pandemic hit. I mean, they were looking at, you know, how do we take our events virtual? How do we become more immersive? And they were taking this, you know, slow, intentional planning conversation around that and then the COVID-19 pandemic hit. And she said, it just feels like we immediately got outpaced by all of these organizations that just had to embrace the radical change because they were forced to. So, I mean, sometimes if you don't do the radical change, other organizations will fly right past you when they do. 
Yes, and there, it, it's always easy to say, well, the other need change, but we don't. And this, from my point of view, has very often to do with superstition. You won't believe to how many, with how many people I talked during the last days who said, I believed that home office work is never going to work out. And I believe you couldn't work together on, on a, on a virtual basis with some video conference. And now I just noticed I was forced to do it. And I noticed it's so easy and it's so much better. And for some people, It saves time because you don't have to commute. And for other more introvert people, it's, it's makes, it makes it easier for you to stay in balance because you don't have to get the stress about trains running late and traffic jam on the autobahn. So it's, it surely has its benefits. It may be, it, it's probably not a replacement for everything and there's still a need to match up on a physical basis, but it, in a good combination, it makes a lot of sense. And just by the, the, the situation we are currently in, people were forced to learn and to get rid of their own superstitions that this is probably never going to work. So if this conversation about sacred cows and radical change has um, intrigued someone and they would like to explore a little more about this, what's the best way to connect with you and learn more? Yes, uh, unfortunately, I have, not, I have not yet written a book about it. This is still on my to-do list. It's going to happen. But in the meantime, um, I have a Twitter account with at least five pieces of advice about radical change every day. I have a website and I have a LinkedIn account, so it should be quite easy to find out uh, what I'm all about. Although I must say my name is the probably one of the most often named combinations in Germany at all. So there are many competitors <laughs> with the same name that I have. But in any way, if you uh, look for my name in, in context with sacred cow and radical change, you're probably very likely to find me. That is exactly how I found you. I typed in Stefan Meyer, um, remembering that the Stefan has an A, not an mm -hmm. E, uh, mm -hmm. Stefan Meyer, uh, Sacred Cow, and you popped mm -hmm. right up. So yeah. you've got some That's good brand recognition there. <laughs> Okay, well, I will make sure that the links to all of those things go in the show notes. And we mm -hmm. are so very thankful for your time today. I appreciate you um, sharing this concept with us and, um, you know, giving listeners um, something to, to think about today. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sure. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey, so you'll know exactly where each piece fits. And everything that's on that one-pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech, joyofmembership.com slash tech, T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.